This is Ron Thurston, the best-selling author of Retail Pride, and I'm on the phone today with Nadine Hoibel to learn all about the travel retail industry. Welcome to Retail in America. This podcast is part of the Retail in America tour, my year-long journey to discover incredible retail heroes all across the country, celebrating our retail culture, community, and careers. Go to retailpride.com or on Instagram at retailpride to see it all, including past podcast episodes, playlists, and future cities on the tour. Today I'm in West Glacier, Montana, and excited to have this conversation with Nadine about travel retail. It's an enormous segment within our industry, full of retail heroes that you may not fully appreciate as all of us are running through airports and cruise ships all around the world. But before we get started, I want to thank the three important title sponsors for the Retail in America Tour and this podcast. Spotify Advertising. Spotify has grown to over 420 million monthly unique registered users around the globe, over half of which are supported on the ad platform. Spotify Advertising will help you reach and target your audience across devices, locations, and formats. Ubic, over 300 companies in 80 countries trust Ubic to drive their retail performance at scale, get real-time visibility into multi-location business execution, digitized task management, and consistent digital mobile learning for their teams. And KWI, KWI is the industry's only true turnkey omni-channel platform for specialty retailers. With over 35 years of experience, let KWI help you execute flawlessly with the features that matter most, including endless aisle, clienteling, mobile checkout, inventory management, e-commerce, and more. The links to learn all about these three great brands will be in the show notes and at retailpride.com. So with that, let's get started. So good morning, Nadim. Welcome to Retail in America. Hi, good morning, Ron. Good morning. So this is the first episode of my podcast that we've not done in person. And while I would love to invite you here to West Glacier, Montana, the conversation we're going to have about travel retail seems very appropriate for us to be on opposite sides of the country. So where are you this morning? So this morning, I am actually in South Carolina in uh, Hilton Head Island. Oh. And uh, and Glacier Montana has always been on my bucket list. So oh. I would have loved to come to come in and join you. <laughs> you are welcome. We'll be here for two more weeks. You could get a helicopter, come right over to visit us in Montana. So you reached out via my website and said, you know, I love what you're doing. I love the Retail in America podcast, but have you thought about showcasing travel retail? And I said, actually, I hadn't. I've never met someone that leads an organization in travel retail. So I'm honored that you reached out. I'm excited to have this conversation. So you just took a new role as the Senior Managing Director of Travel Retail at Harper Dennis Hobbs, where you're responsible for establishing the world's most sought after luxury brands in North American travel retail, and of course, converting more travelers into customers. Most recently, you were the CEO of Heinerman Americas, during your six-year tenure as the highest-ranking executive in the company's history. You secured contracts with some of the world's largest cruise lines, bringing the company's projected revenue to $250 million by the end of last year. You're passionate about mentorship, female empowerment, and giving back to your community. 
and Miami's budding tech ecosystem. You sit on the advisory board for Babson College Center for Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership, CWL, and the South Florida Board for UNICEF. So Retail in America is about celebrating local retail communities. So before we hear more about you, I would love to have you kind of share more about what the retail community in the travel world is really all about. How would you describe it, Nadine? Yeah, first of all, Ron, thank you so much for having me. And I'm, uh, I'm so glad that I can talk about travel retail. <laughs> and before I talk about the retail communities, maybe I should quickly explain a little bit what travel retail is, because I think that's a sector which is not so very well known in the US. Mm-hmm. So travel retail means retail at travel retail locations, like, for example, airports, cruise lines, border crossing, onboard flights even, and at train stations. I would say that the travel retail community is as diverse and global as actually its customer base. Mm -hmm. We welcome clients from all over the world to our stores. And very often, travel retail is called the window to the world by the brands. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, travel retail also serves as a window to the local community. So a sense of place is really a key element of our retail strategies. And you can find this in assortments, but also in the shop design. Mm. So often airports are actually the first or the last touch point of a traveler visiting a city or a country. And we really want to make sure that the passengers get this sense of what the local community has to offer as well. The retail teams on board the cruise industry are as diverse as it can possibly get. Sometimes in our stores, we have about 15 to 20 sales team members, and they represent 10, sometimes even 20 different nationalities. Hmm. So we can even say that I think we kind of create brand new international communities through travel retail. Hmm. Those folks, they leave their families and friends behind sometimes for six to eight months in a row. And then they join these new communities to work together on the cruise ships. And they do it with such a passion and love that it really always fills my heart. Wow. And that's true community. They're building community within a community. Yes. I guess I'm imagining a cruise ship that has this large group of people who have made this commitment to travel the world who are then also part of the larger, you know, they're part of the retail community, they're part of the cruise community, they're part of in the cities that they travel to. I mean, it's a fascinating way to think about working in retail. Yeah. What I also always like about it, it's really the whole world coming together and they live so peacefully together. (laughs) And I think that's a, a nice way of looking at it as well. Right. So the Total size of the travel retail market globally was about 87 billion US dollar in revenue in 2019. Hmm. We are still behind those numbers and 2022 will not see a full recovery because of many factors which we all know about, supply chain, capacity restrictions, Mm -hmm. geopolitical complexities and so forth. But we are in recovery mode. We are growing again year on year. And we are well on track again to reach about 130 billion US dollar in revenue by 2030. Wow. Globally, as a global market size. 
And what we really see and what is great news for me is that retailers and brands continue believing in this channel. So there are investments being made in the channel. There is creative juices flowing into the channel. So just to give you an example, Louis Vuitton, they just opened, I think last week, they opened a, an amazing new store at Qatar International mm -hmm. Airport. And I would really encourage everybody just to look it up and see a couple of pictures because it's just amazing installation, which was done there. But then there are also other creative examples. For me, the future looks bright. And I especially think about this at U.S. airports. And why do I think that the future is bright there? Because I think there is so much we can do in U.S. Mm -hmm. airports. Because if I think about U.S. airports and retail and food and beverage offering at U.S. airports, I have to make a confession that when I look back, I was always surprised, and I have to say not positively surprised, really on the offering in retail and food and beverage in the U.S. Because for me, the U.S. is really the birthplace of retail innovation. It's the home of the most amazing retail brands and food and beverage concepts. And I never understood why this was never mirrored in the offering at U.S. airports mm. in, in retail and in food and beverage. When I talked to friends about this, we were always in agreement that the perception of airports in the U.S. from a retail and food and beverage perspective is it's expensive and it's boring and it's transactional. Mm. But luckily, I think that we are turning the corner and there are really some great examples of some great companies out there like Westfield, Vantage, DFS, International Shops, just to, na to name a few, or also my former employer, Heinemann Americas, in, on the cruise side. And now we are finally bringing the innovation and the excitement, which we all know from the local market, we are now finally bringing this to the airport. Mm -hmm. And now myself working for Harper Dennis Hobbs, we are part of Newmark, And we have really so many amazing brands in our portfolio. And I have to say, supporting, bringing these amazing brands to U.S. airports and supporting changing the perception of U.S. airports and changing the customer experience at U.S. airports is really, for me, a professional dream comes through. And I couldn't mm. be more happier. Wow. And you're right. When we spoke earlier, my first reaction to airports is more tactical and operational because <laughs> of what you said. There was never a meal I was looking forward to. There was not a particular yeah. brand I wanted to see. So based on what you're describing, I'm excited to go back and see, see the future, <laughs> the future of, of the airport. I was in um, New York last week and landed in the new Delta Terminal in LaGuardia. And LaGuardia mm -hmm. for New Yorkers has never really been a, an airport <laughs> that you kind of look forward to going to. And yeah. I got off the plane and I was like, wow, it really changed. Like design, mm -hmm. light, mm -hmm. retail, food, all of it was absolutely incredible. I didn't want to leave. I'm like, well, maybe I should stay and have lunch and maybe I should <laughs> yeah. shop a bit. Um, so you're right. I think we have a lot of opportunity, but a lot of excitement in the future. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you like LaGuardia. It was a pleasant surprise. Let's just say that. Let's jump back into you, kind of how you grew up in retail. You worked for some incredible brands. Just tell us more about you. Yeah. So very often I'm, I'm asked, how did you end up in retail or how did you end up in where you currently are? Was this like accidental or, or mm -hmm. was this intentional? And I think that honestly, nothing happens accidentally. 
<laughs> I think that everything happens intentionally, but sometimes we just don't know because it just happens subconsciously. Mm-hmm. If this if this makes sense, what I'm saying. It does. And for me, what was always interesting was like the rest of my family, they are very settled and they never really loved traveling, exploring the world, but I did. <laughs> and and I was always so curious about learning about different cultures. And when I was in school, I really, I signed up for any possible school exchange. I went to Italy, I went to UK, I went to France and all of this at like teenage age. And I'm very grateful that my parents always supported me, although they really didn't 100% understand why I was so keen on traveling the world. Hmm. And I always loved interaction with people and I loved fashion um, to tell you the truth, I wanted to be a fashion designer when I was young. Oh, wow. But then I had to be also very honest with myself because I think I'm really missing this very special creative talent. And I would have not <laughs> been a good fashion designer. <laughs> you clearly have other important skills. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. But, but not, not definitely not uh, <laughs> designing clothes which are wearable on the street. So <laughs> I realized this quickly. <laughs> Yeah, and then when I graduated high school, there was an opportunity for a three-year trainee program at Hugo Boss Fashion. You know, in our education system in Germany is different from in the U.S. Like this trainee program would be equivalent to a college degree, I would say. Mm. And I saw an ad in the paper. I know, you know, at that time we was there were still ads in the paper, so it's a little, a little, a little while ago. And the ad said that this is an opportunity to also work abroad. It was retail focused and it involved fashion. So I felt that this was kind of the perfect opportunity for me to apply. Mm -hmm. I did. I got the job and yeah, and the rest is kind of history. So this (laughs) is how I got into this. And tell us about your journey then at Hugo Boss. So you kind of go from this trainee. How did your career progress? Yeah, so I did my three-year trainee program. And then uh, the last half year, I was in working in UK in the London office. And then I got an opportunity to actually work in travel retail. Mm. I became the area manager for travel retail. So for the airport stores of Hugo Boss for Asia and Middle East. Mm. And that was 22 years old. And I was traveling to South Korea and to Japan and to Taiwan. So that's exactly what I wanted to do. This was great. Wow. And what did you discover on those trips as a young woman learning about retail, learning about travel? What really stood out to you that time that has inspired now you to become a very senior level leader in the industry? So what I loved was we were selling one brand, which was Hugo Boss, and it was a universal brand. But it's still the way it was perceived or was looked at or had to be sold was so different in those different locations. So while it was a global brand, it still needed a, let's say, a local interpretation of it. And that's what I loved. I I loved being on the shop floor with sales team members from Korea or sales team members from Japan and sales team members from Singapore. And they were looking at it so differently and they were approaching the clients so differently. Mm-hmm. But we were all selling the same product, and I found this was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And Nadine, you just started a new role at Harper Dennis Hobbs, and I think it would be great if you could just share a little bit about what your day-in, day-out responsibilities look like. What do you oversee? Tell us more about your role today. 
Absolutely. So Harper Dennis Hobbs is strategic retail consultancy, 100% owned by Newmark, which is a U.S. company specialized in, in retail brokerage. And we have a very strong team already in Europe where we work with different amazing brands and help them developing their strategy for travel retail. So we help them find the right locations in travel retail, but we also help airports work on their retail strategy and also on their food and beverage strategy. So, and then the third pillar is we help brands in travel retail grow their wholesale presence, meaning selling their products to different retailers in the travel retail industry. So we have the three pillars. Mm. One is airport consultancy. The, the second one is brand consultancy. And the third one is brand wholesale mm. consultancy. We are a market leader in Europe, but now being part of the Newmark group, we also felt that it's the right moment to also start a presence in the U.S., and also because what I had mentioned, because of all the developments happening in, in the airport, the the exciting changes happening here, mm-hmm. we felt it was the right moment to do this. And that's now my job to bring the amazing expertise from Europe into the US and also leverage the new mark relationships and hopefully convince more brands, which are currently not in travel retail yet, to come into this amazing market. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular category that's growing faster than others? Luxury, contemporary, where's the fastest growing part of the industry? You know, I don't, I always don't like the answer when I say it depends, but it really depends <laughs> based uh, on the location. So you have some airports where luxury is growing. You have other areas where the temporary sector is growing. Personally, I would say I see the biggest growth in really those contemporary brands which are extremely strong on the u.s local market and bringing them into an airport environment great let's speak a little bit about travel retail industry your world during the pandemic and jump forward to today how is it jumping back on its feet yeah maybe i want to start with a little bit of a personal story before we go into numbers great and this really is when i was the ceo at heinemann americas our business at that time was focused on the cruise industry. So we, we had stores and operations and teams on cruise ships. And I remember the day, it was a Friday, I think it was March 15th. I came into the office and yes, there was the loom of the, there was the, the dark cloud of the pandemic, mm-hmm. but we still had a business to run at nine o'clock in the morning when I arrived. <laughs> and I had a meeting and we were talking about IT resources. And I remember I was discussing with headquarters because we needed more resources. And it was a little bit of a, let's say, stronger discussion we had about this. And during the meeting, it was a one hour meeting, one cruise ship after the other stopped operating. Hmm. So by around 11 o'clock, basically our complete business had come to a halt. Wow. And all our shops had to close and we had all our team members on the ships and we didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. This was an experience, I have to say, which I think we all had not been expecting or we all could have not been trained for or we could have not rehearsed it. Mm -hmm. And you had shared a story when we first spoke around that there were times spent on ships that they couldn't actually get off the ships. Yeah. 
Yes, this was really one of the biggest issues because yes, of course, you know, you don't have revenue, but I, I always feel the most important part are our people. And we had our people on the ships and we didn't know how to get them off the ships and our hands were tight mm -hmm. because we were so dependent on government regulations, on countries opening or closing their borders. And the cruise ships, they did just such a fantastic job because at the end of the day, they were the ones who, the cruise lines, who actually got our teams home. And so the cruise industry stopped in mid-March and our last team member went home in August 2020. So five months later, we had our last team members going home. And until then, they were on the ship and they couldn't stop at land, couldn't get off. And I'm so proud and amazed of how resilient everybody on board was. And no revenue coming in at the same time. <laughs> and no revenue coming in, yes. <laughs> so you've, you have this very emotional side of your business. Some, you know, again, maybe more similar to traditional retail, but much more complex. Because the inability to get your team even home is something yes. that most of us didn't face. So that's a highly emotional moment for your industry on top of the financial impact that you were going through. Absolutely. And as I said at the beginning, really, of course, you know, not having revenue is it's extremely painful and extremely worrying. Mm -hmm. But not knowing what happened to your people, I think this was the most worrying of all. Mm -hmm. And so here we are in the summer of 2022. Where's your industry today? And where are... Did those people come back? Did they choose a different path? You know, tell us more about your your teams all over the world. Yeah, so not my teams anymore, yes. <laughs> but I'm I'm still watch them very closely because they're all very close to my heart. Again, a little story. So we restarted with the first ships in July 2021. Now all the big cruise lines have all their ships back on the water, so that's great news. But a little over a year ago, we started with the first ships coming back and I wanted to say hi and welcome the team back on. So I went on the ship, was in Port Canaveral and I met everybody and I did a little, little welcome speech. And then I was curious and I wanted to know who of the team members had been on the ship during the pandemic, you know, and I was expecting maybe, I don't know, half of the people raising their hand, but everybody was raising their hand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, imagine all of them got stuck on the ship for months then they went back home. They were united with the families and they had to take temporary work in other sectors. But once the industry was ready to resume, they all came back. Hmm. And this was just amazing. And this was where I felt very proud mm -hmm. and very touched. That's true retail pride. Yes, yeah. that was true retail pride. Wow. What are you most proud of in your life, in your career, Tell us more about what motivates you. So, yeah, I think what I'm most proud of is the fact that during my career, I was able to support others around me to go further than they thought they could or reach higher or dream bigger. Mm. And I, I think, again, in the theme of retail pride, I think this is my retail pride because nothing makes me prouder than watching someone progress in their careers. Mm. And I, I'm just thinking of a sales associate who I met actually on his first day of his job uh, was on the Carnival Liberty cruise ship. And he started as a sales associate. His name was Mateo, and he's from Brazil. 
And the next time I saw him a couple of years later, and he was the shop manager of one of our other ships. And then I met him again on the inauguration of one of the newest Heinemann ships at that time. And he had just been offered a job to work at our headquarters as a project manager. And I just loved watching him progress Mm -hmm. because I think that this is also my story. I come from very humble backgrounds. I grew up in a blue collar community. I'm the first in my family to graduate from college. Mm -hmm. And I always had this desire, as I told you, to travel the world. And one day my business coach, she said to me that I'm like kind of a walking miracle because I have made impossible things possible. And if I can, or if my story can inspire others to do the same, then I'm very proud, retail mm-hmm. proud. <laughs> what would be one of those examples of, of a hurdle that seemed so large for you to overcome that you look back now and say, like, I'm really proud I did that? I would say one was when I came here to the US, I was on a visa and my visa was about to expire and I had applied for a green card and in normal circumstances, everything would have worked, you know, very smoothly. But then the pandemic and everything took longer and longer. And I was just very persistent and I got my green card (laughs) and, (laughs) and here I am and building my life in, in the US. I think I had never dreamt when I, left my little village close to the Black Forest in Germany that I would ever end up as a green card holder in the United States. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Wonderful. Very happy to be here. (laughs) I'd love to speak for a moment about who inspires you in your life. How do you stay motivated and engaged and leading large teams? What are some of your, your secrets to doing that well? I don't think that I'm able to name one specific person who inspires me. I think I'm more inspired by the small gestures of many different people in our everyday lives. Mm. And especially the resilience of the people, which they show in small or big situations, challenges they have. It almost feels like that they serve as a kind of role model to me. Because when I can see that they can do it, I kind of have to tell myself, I have to do it as well, you know? <laughs> and many people who I met in my life have really shown great resilience. For example, my grandmother, she inspired me. She was living a very simple life and which often involved a lot of hardship, but she never complained. And I always remember her smiling and that was just great. Or also recently, I was very inspired by a very close friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Luckily, my friend is fine now, so everything is good. Good. Um, but when, when, when I saw how he faced the illness and the treatment, you know, just head on fighting the disease, mm. this inspired me. And when we talk about travel retail communities, this inspires me too, like the resilience of the travel retail communities. Mm -hmm. We talked earlier about how the pandemic really influenced the travel retail industry and hit the industry very, very hard. I think that the travel industry and travel retail being part of it, in crisis, we are always hit very hard. Think of 9-11, think of SARS, now COVID. Mm. But also we always came back very fast. And I think that this is due to the people who keep on going. They push through in the face of challenges. And I'm just so happy that I work in an industry which shows so much grit. Mm. Grit and resilience are such important words when you think about our industry. Yes. Yeah. 
absolutely. Yeah, and I guess I'm also imagining, you know, certainly cruise ships a big part of it, but I've been in the airport at six o'clock in the morning and retail's up and running. Midnight, yes. you're getting off a flight, it's up and running. The amount of people and complexity of running retail businesses in airports is seems very overwhelming when I think about it. Tell us more about that part of of your industry. Yeah, I think you say it quite rightly. I mean, the hours are, let's say crazy, because as you <laughs> said, people come at five in the morning. There are some airports which are maybe even open 24 hours. You not necessarily see daylight. Passengers are rushing through and running through, and you only have a couple of minutes to really make the connection with the passenger and make sure that the passenger feel good and sell the product. But, you know, at the same time, I just think it's very fascinating because what I said earlier, you meet so many different people from so many different nationalities. Mm -hmm. And to me, there is always something magical about airports. It's this gateway to the world. I love just looking at planes, just looking at planes taking off and coming down. Or I love looking at the arrival hall when you see people happily reuniting. Mm. And, and I think there is this magic and, and retail is part of the magic. Mm, that's beautiful. Wow. I am going to look at it with a different lens. <laughs> and think Because I, I think I look at it as more kind of tactical. Like it's in, mm. for me, it's an operational efficiency. When do I need to arrive? Which line do I stand in? All of the pieces and parts that make travel successful to me are about time and operations. What you're adding is that this gateway, this emotion, this beautiful experiences that you couldn't have without flight. Yeah. And I think it's a combination of both. I'm, I'm glad that you talk about really efficiency and because that's also very, very important. As I mentioned, you have a couple of minutes to really engage with your client, with the passenger. You need to make sure that this is a smooth experience, you know, because very often you don't have a lot of time. So payments need to run smoothly. If they are looking mm. for something, you need to make sure that you direct the person in the right direction. So it's for me, this is both, you know, this, I think you can only really feel the magic if everything else runs smoothly. Mm. If you're worried about, oh, the payment takes so long, or I can't find my size, or where is the shop? You can't find the shop then you can't feel the magic. So I think it's our job in retail to make sure that everything runs smoothly and it's a great experience so that you can really feel the magic of an airport. Mm, yeah, the operations disappear behind it and you can see more clearly. Yeah. Amazing, thank you. I love to always wrap up our episodes to speak a little bit about Retail Pride and the Three Pillars. Um, and mm -hmm. I know you've, you've read the book and you know it's exciting to you and I'm so appreciative of that. So between empathy and curiosity and focus, where do you spend your time? How do you kind of think about those three pillars of retail success? Before I tell you which one is maybe the one which resonates most with me, I also want to say that actually all three res resonate in general with me. I have a favorite one and we will talk about it in a second, okay. but uh, all three resonate with me. And when I was reading about it and hearing about it, my first initial reaction was, I need to meet Ron. I need to talk to Ron because this is so feels so right also in how I look at leadership and how, how I look at community building. So I would say that empathy and curiosity, they come really natural to me. Mm -hmm. But focus is an area to admit I had to grow into. But at the same time, also, whenever I've been focused, then I really was able to achieve the best results. Mm -hmm. 
But the one which is my favorite and which resonates most with me is curiosity. Um, I think it's not a surprise mm -hmm. after talking together. Mm -hmm. um, but I also want to offer like a little bit of a different angle to curiosity, which I just heard recently. I was part of a panel discussion and about leadership. And one of my fellow panelists, she shared her mantra. And her mantra was, don't be furious, be curious. And I just love the quote. Because what it says is that understanding the people's why will really offer different perspectives. And it will not only help you to better understand the person, but I think it will also give you the opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. And then I also think that curiosity right now in the stage I'm, I'm currently in from a, um, from a career perspective also fits great. I started a new position just a few weeks ago and curiosity is really something which drives me in this new position. So I'm mm. very curious to learn all about the amazing brands we represent. I'm curious to get to know all the colleagues in, in the UK and here in, in the US. And I'm also curious to see how we can play our part in really changing the travel retail landscape in the US in the next five years. Wow. I love how curious you are and kind of where you started. You were inspired by travel as a young woman that's rooted in curiosity. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, yes. can see it. Yeah. can see how it has evolved <laughs> into you as a leader. This has been such a pleasure, Nadine. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on the show, Ron. Thank you for having me. Thank you for reaching out and I'm excited to watch how the future evolves in travel retail. And I will very much pay more attention to it. And, <laughs> and I will lean in maybe into even more empathy for me, for those that, that work in it, because we maybe don't acknowledge it as much as we should in our busyness and our busy lives. And um, for me, you've really changed my perspective in the industry. So thank you. Well, thank you. That's amazing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Nadine, for being on the show today and to everyone for listening. I know I learned a lot about this part of our industry. Pay your retail pride forward and subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Write a review and then share this podcast with everyone you know in retail. Go to retailpride.com and follow me on Instagram at retailpride to see all the details about the Retail in America tour. Keep your retail pride strong, and I'll see you in September in Seattle and Portland.